Hi everyone, welcome to the Katie Helper Show. Here's an interview I did with Ryan Grimm. And at the end of the interview, you will hear that I received a text about a then-breaking story from journalist Rich McHugh. So I'm releasing this Ryan interview, then later I'll be releasing the Rich McHugh interview, and then later the latest interview I did with Tara's friend Linda Lacoste, who remembers Tara telling her about the assault a few years later after it occurred when they were neighbors. So stand by for those, but here's the Ryan interview. Hello and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, Katie Halper. Very excited to be talking to our guest today, who is Ryan Grimm, a journalist at The Intercept. He broke the Christine Blasey Ford story at The Intercept. He also broke the Tara Reid story at The Intercept. And on the previous episode of the Katie Halper Show, uh, we talked about the differences between those stories and, and the differences in the way people responded to it. He's here to talk about the latest development in that story. So welcome, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Um, can you tell us what the latest is in the Tara Reid story? The the latest is uh, confirmation uh, of a claim that she had made, uh, you know, to I, to I believe you and also to me and perhaps some others over the, over the course of our reporting on this story. She had said that sometime in the 1990s, her mother called uh, the Larry King show and said that uh, her daughter had worked for a prominent senator, uh, had been you know, uh, sexually harassed and retaliated against. And you know, wh- what advice would the, the panel have you know, uh, for someone in that situation? Some, something to that effect. And so uh, you know, we went looking for this, uh, for this call, but it was, it was difficult th- through the different mechanisms that we use to search because Larry King doesn't name the callers. Uh, she told us that she would have been living in California at the time, so um, you know that doesn't narrow it down uh, terribly much. Right. Um, she was living in San Luis Obispo County, which did did end up helping to to narrow it down further. It, but it wasn't until uh, after I mentioned the, the call on your show that a a listener went and searched it using a uh, a process that I hadn't thought of, which is Nexus transcripts, and it, I was kicking myself because I didn't think that transcripts of the Larry King show went back to the early 1990s in Nexus. Uh, now I know that, and you know we were able to quickly you know search Nexus ourselves and confirm that. She had she had found the the right episode, and so it's a, it's a woman from San Luis Obispo calling in August 1993, the year that the year and the month that that Tara Reid left Joe Biden's right. office, saying my daughter just left a prominent senator's office. Uh, she was unable to get through with her problems, and what can she do other than uh, go to the press? You know, both her brother and her and Tara Reid herself have said that sounds like uh, our mother's voice uh, and right. it, it's inconceivable to me that it could be anybody but uh her mother the, the coincidence would have to be right. just too extraordinary right san luis obispo california hello yes hello um i'm wondering what um uh, a, a staffer uh would to do besides go to the press in washington my daughter has just left there uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all and the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. 
Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. What is the significance of that video? Because a, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, what does that prove? Um, she didn't mention the harassment, certainly didn't mention the sexual assault. Uh, this doesn't prove anything. So, sure, we could be clear about what it doesn't prove first. You know, it, it, you know, even if she had uh, said, you know, right. my daughter was assaulted by a prominent senator and I urged her to go to the police, it, that still wouldn't prove that it happened. Sure. You know, it, it would prove that um, Tara had told her that that had happened at the time. So the, the, the question of, uh, of, of the call comes down to, you know, what... Uh, you know, what can it confirm? The only thing it can confirm is what did Tara Reid tell other people at the time? You know, right. we can we can know what she told her friend and what she told her brother because we can speak to them. Her her mother passed away in 2016, so we can't ask her. So it, the only thing she has to, to verify her, her claim that she told her mother about this is, A, actually her brother and her friend uh, confirm it. Like, right. Her brother remembers talking to her mother about it and her mother being up in arms, um, suggesting she should go to the police. And her friend recalls, uh, you know, uh, her, you know, also recalls her mother being involved. So there's those pieces of evidence. But now we do have this contemporaneous piece of evidence that her mother and her talked about something that happened at the office right. uh, that was bad enough that the press in 1993 would care about it. Right. Uh, and so you have to ask yourself, you know, what level, if, if you believe that she's only referring to harassment there, okay, what level of harassment are we talking about that the press would care about in 1993? Now, you could also say, well, she knew at this point that Tara did not want her, did not want to go public. Right. And so she's already kind of breaking with her daughter a little bit. And, and this is appears to be within her her mother's character she was a a feminist activist a, you know a, a longtime left-wing activist right. um somebody who cared deeply a, about the world and standing up for yourself um her entire life and so you know this is you know she wanted tara to push forward with this tara didn't want to so she knows she's going further than tara wants and she probably also knows that if she says police on national television you know that her daughter just left a prominent senator's office. You know, only so many people depart Senate offices uh, every month. Uh, and right. that something happened that would have warranted her going to the police. Like that, that could become a scandal. Right. What, you know, what happened? If it's the press, that's less likely to, to get picked up by the rest of the media. Well, you know, what's the, what's the follow-up story to that? There, there, there isn't one. Um, and so you, you can imagine why uh, her mother would not have wanted to talk about the police, right. talk about specifically about sexual harassment, or 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 talk specifically about sexual assault. So wh what does it prove? Uh, it's it's unfair to say that it proves nothing. Uh, it doesn't prove that there was an assault. Uh, it 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 buttresses her credibility because you know she claimed she made a claim. Her claim was that her mother called the Larry King live show and talked about her issues with the Biden office. Uh, we can now confirm that that claim is is true. And it also confirms that she spoke with her mother about something that happened with the Biden office and um, that her mother was disturbed enough by whatever she heard 
that she decided to uh, make decided to make this phone call. And so you have an interesting situation where the Biden campaign is is dug in and you can understand why on a flat out 100 percent denial of all aspects of uh, of of these allegations from her April 9th, 2019 ones all the way through to today. But a number of Biden supporters seem to be trending in a different direction, which is to say, you know what? I actually do believe that that Tara went through some type of sexual harassment um, in the office. It's that fits within Biden's you know character, right. as we've all seen on videos throughout right. um, his entire career. And it fits with what um, you know, she said, you know, maps with what we see in this video and also with what um, she, you know, her, her, she said in April 2019, what she's told her friend, what she told her brother, but they, they stop short and they say, okay, we'll acknowledge that that happened, but we don't believe that an assault happened. Sure. For, so for, for those people, you know, it's probably not going to do a lot uh, to convince them just as unearthing the actual complaint that she filed would similarly not do much for those people because that complaint was about uh, workplace harassment, harassment and, right. and and not the incident in the hallway. Right. So, I mean, if people were honest, though, of course, this would go towards Biden's credibility or the Biden campaign's credibility, because as you point out, they're denying anything inappropriate was done. Marianne Baker made the unfortunate for her own credibility, I would say, claim that she never witnessed anything inappropriate, not just with Tara Reid, but with between anyone. And I kind of don't know why she would say that, because... Uh, anyone who's seen right. footage of Biden knows that he's done inappropriate things. Sure, it's not sexual assault. It's not even necessarily sexual harassment. But the idea that the guy, that this guy who has done things on camera that are really weird, like, let's say to be generous, to be charitable, violations of personal space. Right. Um, the idea that he'd never done anything like that with other people is, it's just, it's not credible. Um Right. And as you said, this does go to the credibility of the Biden campaign, um, which is, you know, circling the wagons. And it's also interesting that Biden himself has not denied it. Uh, he's only had his campaign deny it. And another interesting thing is that you had said to me during our interview where we mentioned the this video, you, you that to you was kind of suggested a veracity um, because it was such a weird, specific thing to to mention. And. Had there been a transcript uh, of all the episodes, which there now we know there was, but if it didn't exist, then someone could have easily looked through those and been like, no, no one ever called mentioning that. Um, so it gives her much more, that that credibility, too. And then in terms of her remembering that her mom said more things than she said, again, it... Ryan's kids agree with me, by the way. They are yes. they are outraged by this. Um, but again, she knew what she, what her mom was referring to. This was, you know, in, right. the, in the nineties. It makes sense too. She's not lying. She knew right. uh, what she what she heard there um, was that it was in reference to this. Right, and yeah. it's an interesting it's an interesting comment about uh, the fallibility of our our memories. Uh, right. the, the precision of our memories and their relationship to actual events. You know, right. so when she said, you know, I don't know what year she called Larry King, um, people could easily have said, you know, because she doesn't know the exact date of the incident in the hallway with Biden. Um, people could say she doesn't know the year 
you know, that's ridiculous. If she, if she can't even tell you what year it is in an entire decade, uh, how are we how are we supposed to uh, believe that it ever happened? Lo and behold, it did happen. Right. Uh, but she just that's how exactly. memory works. She, she just didn't remember exactly. And she also, like you said, she knew in her mind uh, in her heart that what her mother was talking about was um, was uh, sexual harassment and, and re- retaliation, which is which is interesting. You know, that, that, that you know, that goes to show that like her, her mother at that point was was probably not calling in about these about this specific assault. And I think we can get into why uh, that why that might have why that might have been. But so, right, that 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 would be why, you know, she remembered more precision uh, in the call, because in her mind, you know, that's she understood that that's what was happening. But then you look at the actual transcript that could even happen uh, within an hour or two of of a thing happening where you sure. where you remember what somebody said slightly differently. Like if we had stenographers who went around with us um, and and typed up our conversations that we were having with people and then read them back to us, you know, a couple hours later, we'd often be surprised about exactly what what was said. Uh, per- certainly people who are having fights with each other right. um, would love to have these uh, stenographers and, and but then would be shocked to find, oh, wait, I, I did say yeah. that thing. That yeah, you, totally. That, you said I, that I was denying saying. But on, on the question of the assault. So and 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 whether that's what precisely what she was referring to or, or whether she was kind of uh, putting them all together in one big basket, which we which we just just can't know. I could imagine that you know she had urged her to go to the police about about the assault. Tara at at the time, you know, told me and I think told told you too that in the moment or immediately afterwards, you know, she didn't she didn't it wasn't until she talked to her mother right. that she processed it as as an assault. You know, right in the aftermath she did that very typical thing which is to say what did I do wrong? Right. You know, what what on earth did I do to bring this on to my to myself getting right. into that that kind of toxic discord of discourse of where people blame, uh, you know, where women blame themselves for, uh, you know, for th- things that men do. Uh, and so, you know, once she refused to take her mother's advice and, and, you know, go to the police about this, you could, you could see her mother saying, okay, well, I've, I've lost that fight. Right. But what about, um, what about the sexual harassment in the workplace fight like this, you know, you know, he, he just oversaw the hearings uh, uh, that confirmed Clarence Thomas, you know, in the face of Anita Hill's extraordinarily damning sexual harassment testimony. And here he is running an office himself that has a, a hostile culture. Like, isn't that something that you would want to push to the press? So you could you could you could see that maybe that's the angle um, that she was trying to go after she had failed to get Tara to go to the police um, about about the assault, or if you were if you were committed to it, you could say, you know, what's true is that there was there was harassment, and that um, whether whether Tara is is lying or be, or believes it, that the that the, the the assault just simply didn't didn't happen, um, and I'm going to choose to not believe that, but I will believe this this other half of it. But like I said, that's not the path that the Biden campaign is, right. is taking. They're saying that it's it's all made up. Yeah, exactly. So people, different Biden supporters can rationalize things in their minds. But I, the thing is that they probably rationalize the Biden campaign just full, like full out denying everything. Um, right, right. Yeah. But it right. is it is very frustrating and uh, demoralizing and pro- problematic 
when people to see people smearing Tara because they either don't want to get into what the Biden campaign is actually doing or because they don't want to grapple with uh, publicly say, you know, the priorities uh, to defeat Trump. And what right. can, can you talk about what Biden did during the Anita Hill uh, during the confirmation that people find objectionable? Well, there was a lot, and there's uh, at least one really good documentary uh, about it, some, some, some good books about it. Uh, but the, the, the main thing would be that he wouldn't allow uh, other witnesses who would have um, corroborated and, and backed up what Anita Hill was saying about Clarence Thomas. He just, he just left um, Anita Hill kind of hanging out there uh, all alone, which is, which is ironic in the sense that, you know, post Me Too, the gold standard now, uh, or it's, if it's if it's even a gold standard, the silver standard at, at least uh, for for corroborating uh, allegations is you know who did you tell at the time, right. and what is what is the credibility of the people that you told at at the time told people contemporaneously about an allegation, and uh, Anita Hill had and Anita Hill had people who were willing to um, you know testify about their own experiences with with Clarence Thomas and also. That you know that they were aware of of hers in in real time, and Biden wouldn't allow those women to testify, uh, which you know uh, made it very difficult for Hill's you know story to to gain the purchase that it would have needed um, for her not to be uh, you know vilified nationally. And so th that that's the main thing you know just in general, uh, it was it was heavily stacked in favor of Clarence Thomas. I think there's a, there's a great, uh, you could skip the entire documentary and go watch the Saturday Night Live uh, coverage of it, where uh, they just, um, you know, grill and ignore, uh, you know, grill and or ignore Anita Hill. Mm. And then uh, Clarence Thomas comes on and, and it's just, hey, you know, hey, bud, you know, how, how's it going? You know, give him a, just give him a pass. Right. And, a, and a back slap on the way out. There have been charges by Professor Hill that you talked casually with her about graphic scenes in porno movies. Is that true? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. And did that work? Did it break the ice? <laughs> no, Senator, it actually offended her. Hmm. <laughs> uh, what porno movie did you talk about? Well, I uh, mainly spoke about a favorite of mine called the Hind Lick Maneuver. That's a good movie, George. But do you think hardcore porno is the way to go? Because I feel women prefer softer porn. Senator Thurman? I agree with Senator Heffin. Right, the women like something with more stories and costumes that'll transport them to another place in time. That's right. Their inhibitions often loosen by escape when they are allowed to fantasize in another air. Women don't like close-ups or oversized genitalia. That's just never gonna turn them on. Hey, uh... Another good thing is to uh, get them out on your boat for some reason. Because, um, because then it's 
really hard for them to get away. Like, And then Biden refused to apologize. He kind of acknowledged that he had not been the best advocate for, for Anita Hill, but in his Biden-esque way, still has refused to apologize. Right. He sort of claimed that he apologized, uh, which Anita Hill had been asking for for decades. Uh, and he, he claimed right as he launched presidential campaign that he had done so. Um, but it turned out he had apologized for the way that she was treated by the committee. And she said, well, you know, you were the chairman of the committee. Right. Um, so he kind of acted as if he was apologizing on behalf of other people. And he has, and I think it was actually in response to Anita Hill, where uh, he told a reporter, you know, I'll never apologize for anything. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, I, I don't have that quote exactly right, but it's very close to, to I, I will never apologize for anything I've ever done. It, it's okay, because you don't have to, I mean, the, the distance between what he said and what you're saying is so much closer than, uh, so much right. shorter than the distance between anything Biden ever says and uh, the truth. I mean, <laughs> that's the other thing that people aren't looking at is like, this is a guy who lies his way through a debate. Um, right. why aren't they examining his credibility or taking that into account? I, I guess I think we know why. Um, and, you know, this memory issue that you referred to before, this is really significant because someone actually DM'd me and said and thanked me for interviewing Tara and said that she, as a teenager, she and her friend um, were kidnapped and raped and they dropped the charges or stopped the investigation because she and the friend had Confl somewhat conflicting memories about it. Um, mm -hmm. And again, we live, uh, what the Me Too movement was supposed to do and claims to do and, for, and still does for some, in some cases, I guess when you're not accusing a Democrat, um, is, is acknowledges how much people's memories are vague or fuzzy or, you know, people don't get all the details right. And, I understand. It's actually very dangerous because I get how if you don't really understand that and our culture needs to and society needs to make, do a better job of, of revealing how, how understandable and common this is. But if you don't understand that and you see people say one thing and then another thing that contradicts it, like, I don't think people are sensitive enough to how memory works, especially when it's a traumatic event. Right. And the pendulum swung so far you know, in in the in the direction of believe women that it that it has made um, a kind of a nuanced conversation uh, about the situation uh, effectively impossible, and it and it kind of interestingly you know handcuffs some uh, feminists who are who who want to be more critical of Tara Reid than. Than they are, or they want to be more precise in what their criticism is and and why they uh, don't believe her. But there are taboos um, ar around, you know, what you can say about a, a person's background or or their or their motivations or their, or their mental health or or anything else um, that leave them kind of just speaking in very vague generalities about. Um, why they don't uh, believe all of Tara Reid's story. And so that leaves people who do believe her to conclude that, well, it must be partisan. You know, it, it right. must be because you support uh, Joe Biden. And a lot of the women are, are kind of 
left and feminist men um, who are who are uh, kind of on, the, on the other side and defending Biden are left without an ability to kind of you know in, interrogate in a serious way her 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 claims because they'll be you know uh, called out for violating the the norms that have been established by by the Me Too movement. Yet uh, you know paradoxically they're they're undermining those those norms by by not being able to have that that conversation. And it's, it's the, the entire thing has been, you know, extraordinarily destructive to, to the entire uh, Me Too project. Right. Um, and yeah, and so that's why I think they tried to go hard after me and after you, because that was their way of kind of, not very convincingly, but, you know, saying, oh, it's just that the way it was broken was irresponsible. The way the story came out was irresponsible. They couldn't really do that with you. Um, which is why most people didn't mention that because you had just done, I mean, because you didn't, you, you broke, as, as we mentioned before, you broke the story, the way you broke the Christine Blasey Ford story, which was that you broke a story on an allegation, um, without getting into the allegation too much. And then, but of course, in the case of Christine Blasey Ford, everyone immediately started covering it. And and, you know, it's just a disingenuous argument because let's say for argument's sake, I totally messed up the interview. I totally, you know, made life miserable for Tara Reid. Okay, then fine. Then go interview her and do a story. Right. Yeah. And, right. So, yeah. Right. Survivors, right. Survivors, very rightly, have been have been elevated um, over the past uh, several years, but they've been elevated to a place where the supporters of Biden feel like they can't directly... Uh, the more prominent supporters feel like they can't directly come after them, and so right, come after, you know, more particularly you, um, or 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 other, or they come after Bernie Bros, you know, who are right. supporting uh, Tar rather than going after her. Now, the the less sophisticated, uh, more aggressive kind of rank and file Biden supporters that you'll find on, online, you know, they will actually go directly after. Uh, Tara, whether it's in her DMs or on Twitter or right. or or whatever else, they don't they don't have the same um, compunction because they're not trying to um, follow the the norms that were established right. Right. around the movement. I mean, Joan Walsh was and Michelle Goldberg were pretty surprisingly. Um, they, I mean, it was kind of honest. Although with Wal Walsh, I would say it was it was honestly dishonest. Um, or dishonestly, I don't know. Like they didn't, she, Walsh didn't hide. I mean, she did call me a diehard Bernie fan in the opening of her piece, but she said, you know, Tara's troubling uh, accusations or troubling tale. I mean, she just went for it, just saying why it right. wasn't, you know, reliable. And and Michelle Goldberg said if Tara Reid had been as inconsistent, if Blasey Ford had been in, as inconsistent as Tara Reid, she wouldn't have been the cause celeb that she is. Um, what what how do their consistencies uh, compare? Right, and, and I thought Michelle's column um, was a lot more fair. Yeah, um, and and I also thought that she had one of the more interesting lines that's been written about this entire saga, which was that I think it was her opening line was something like, "It would be easier to know what to make of the Tara Reid allegations if if there were uh, more facts to support them, or if there were less." Yeah, like in other words, it's in this. Um, uh, unsweet spot of of having enough corroboration and 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 credibility that it's that it's quite uh, easy to 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 see it happening and to believe it, uh, while also leaving uh, enough room for 
uh, for doubt that if you don't want to believe it, you can also not right. believe it. The, the assault part, the, the harassment seems like uh, open, you know, an open and shut uh, case for the for the most part. The contradictions that that people refer to one, uh, you know, she came out in April 2019 uh, with, uh, you know, backing up Lucy Flores' story about, you know, Lucy Flores had said that he kind of like rubbed her shoulders in an awkward way yeah, and, and kissed, kissed, kissed the, the back head, of her yeah, head and inhaled, in, yeah, in a long way and yeah, like at, right as she's about to go on stage and, um, you know, just a very Biden-esque thing yeah. to do, which he then flatly denied, which is like, come on, like, are you serious? Like, right. why? Like, you do that sort of thing. And right. Yeah. Like, we've seen it. You've seen you do it. Right. Uh, we haven't seen you do it to Lucy Flores, but the idea that you didn't is right. Uh, and she's just completely fabricating it. Weird. So she, so Tara came out with that particular um, element of, of her story that yes, he, you know, he did that to me. And her friend remembered her talking about, him running his fingers through the big curls of her of right. her hair and like stroking her neck. Right. Um, and so she came out with that story. Uh, the fact that she didn't come out with the other part of it is 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 a major thing that's that's used against her. Say, okay, you, you know, you, you know, now that it looks like Biden's going to be the nominee, all of a sudden you've got right. this this new story. Now there's like with everything, there are um, explanations for yeah the way, way that you can come out. Um, you know the way, like, the way that uh, uh, Tara kind of um, engages with people on 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 Twitter in a kind of combative way <laughs> is something that you could use to say, well, this this whole thing just is too messy. Like I don't like it. Just yeah. something doesn't feel right here. Uh, that's just nowhere near the way that somebody like Christine Blasey Ford, uh, you know, was 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 going about it at the time. You know, she was allowing other people. Yeah. To, and go out and, right, and fight, sure. fight which, fights online. Which speaks to the kind of class element <laughs> and the behavioral uh, aesthetic right. element of this, right? So just backing up a little bit about the not revealing everything at the same time. As Tara told me and the friend says in the interview I did with her, um, she, because a lot of people are like, why didn't she come forward when Obama was elected? And her daughter was a teenager. And Tara right. has said she would never do like anything that would have made her da daughter's life more more difficult. She also felt conflicted about it. She really liked Obama. But I think the main mm -hmm. thing was that she wasn't going to come forward while her daughter was a teenager. Right. But in terms of, and it's funny because both Tara remembers that her friend told her, the friend called, Tara was really mad when she saw The View Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar totally like smear uh, Lucy Flores. They didn't even deny it happened. They were just like, why don't you say something at the time? Right. But she says what really made her think about going forward was her friend calling her up and saying, you know, one of the criticisms people are making of Flores and one of the pro-Biden arguments they're making is that no, no one he, who worked for him ever complained about this stuff. And that's what made Tara come forward. Now, there's a... Maybe it's because I'm a woman. I don't know. To me, it makes... Uh, so much sense that you come forward m more quickly and um, more easily about sexual inappropriate, like about inappropriate behavior, right. about having someone run their fingers up your, you know, to, under your hair, than an assault that you right. have. Like that to me, it's like, it's not changing your story. It's revealing more of it. Um, and as Anthony, um, 
Anthony Zenkis, who is a psychologist, he says, in the sexual violence advocacy community, it is well understood that survivors take time to tell their full stories. While I was a director of an advocacy agency, a young girl who was sexually abused by a male relative told police he fondled her above her clothing. Months later, she spoke about the penetration. This is typical for victims of trauma. Rarely does the story come out all at once. And what he links to, interestingly enough, is an article called Why Women Can Take Years to Come Forward with Sexual Assault Allegations. And the article was written by Shayla Dewan at the New York Times uh, uh, because of the um, Christine Blasey Ford mm -hmm. controversy. I mean, there seems to be a kind of coordinated talking point uh, listicle uh, where that actually this guy, Jeremy Fassler from the Daily Banter kind of unwittingly revealed, I think. He had, when when this story came came out, he had like six reasons that people shouldn't trust, uh, th why this story should not be trusted. And they were, because of who broke the story, um, that you, but at the same time, you didn't, they said that you didn't break the Blasey Ford story. Um, because people like me were pushing it, because Sean King was pushing it, um, because of her Russia stuff, and because Trump raped a lot of people, has been accused of raping a lot of people. Um, then he did this thing. There's video of a woman on Dr. Phil claiming that she was Putin's fiance, but take that with a grain of salt as it may not be true. And that was something Amanda Marcotte also said, although she said she's absolutely not her. And that was going around a lot. A lot of people on Twitter, pro-Biden people on Twitter, were releasing that and then saying, oh, wait, well, actually, that may not be her, which seemed weird. Like, it seemed like a weird coincidental, like, line to be towing. Um, and, yeah, I don't know what you thought mm. about that. Right. So the, that was that was weird, that Dr. Phil thing. Uh, it didn't last terribly long because it was 100% false, but it, that was something that was going around. It, and that... that flowed from uh, her her Putin stuff and you know you know when I f first spoke to her she said uh, you know I was you know when I came out in April I was accused of being an agent of Vladimir Putin um, and uh, and I thought oh my you know that's that's in absurd I, you know it's ridiculous that you know everybody has to uh, right. suffer through this Russiagate hysteria uh, and then I, I looked up what she had written and I was like oh this is this is wild that like you actually did write pieces um hailing the you know the virtues of of Vladimir Putin right. um now of course that doesn't make you a Russian agent and it pr probably proves that you're cer certainly not one right. because Russian agents don't out themselves on right. medium um but it, it it certainly uh you know would allow people to uh you know raise credibility questions yeah, like what right. what is what is this what is this wackiness about right. the the, glor the glories of the the Russian Federation and Vladimir Putin yeah. you know uh it, but Tarit is is not uh, the perfect uh victim and like you said earlier you know the 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 me too movement was organized around the principle that somebody doesn't need to be a perfect victim to be a victim and that uh an assailant uh, does does not get out of jail free um, just because their their victim doesn't have uh, perfect perfection status. Right. And you know I think uh, another problem that's you know, that people have here is goes back to the the class question that if you don't have a lot of uh, ex 
experience interacting with and socializing with with working class people, a lot of a lot of these uh, behaviors might strike you um, as as unusual. Whereas if if you socialize with upper middle class, well educated people, then uh, Christine Blasey Ford is your kind of uh, ideal type of uh, person who's going to give testimony about their uh, about their assault. But, you know, if you do understand working class people, then then a lot of this stuff makes a lot of, makes, you know, just just fits with the the the, the way that people are. We're we're a, we're a big, messy country um, with a lot of uh, eccentricities. And, you know, that goes triple for for northern Cali northern California. Right. So, uh, you know, as it, it intersects and interacts with, uh, you know, establishment media coming grappling with uh, this, this, the question of credibility, it results in, uh, kind of some failures to translate. Yeah. It's funny. Tara has told me that her class background has, it was like up and down kind of her, mm -hmm. the way she, her family was. Um, but Which she is also very American. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe people use the, the fact that she w filed for bankruptcy as at all incriminating. And it was like 2012, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a pretty understandable time for that. But it would have been fine if it, whatever year it was. But she actually, I actually think it's that Tara is like kind of an artsy hippie. Um, mm -hmm. Her mom was an artist. I think if she were really wealthy, then she would be, you know, what's what's that joke? What's the difference between eccentric and, and crazy? Uh, a million dollars, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Just wanted to know, what's your, what background do you come from? Like, uh, class-wise. Yeah, I grew up poor on the uh, eastern shore of Maryland, which is a really rural um, you know, really rural part of the state. Um, my brother and I raised by a, a, a single mom, um, you know, with a, on public benefits. Um, and we, we were kind of poor for, in a poor area, like the other poor people thought we were poor. Um, and, and so, and so, um, you know, I've had a lot of experience, um, in, you know, interacting with, with working class, uh, People. And have you seen that in your reporting in other areas, like a, a kind of lack of exposure um, affecting the way people judge stories or judge people or report on things? Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, T totally. Um, I th it, without with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, actually, um, because so my my father lived in was a school psychologist from Allentown, Pennsylvania, and I my brother and I would go visit him on weekends, spent spent a lot of time with him in, in the summer, and so and he you know he lived a very middle class and still does live a very middle class life in in Allentown, um, and so you know we were able to experience like what middle class life was like as well as what lower class life was like, which which then gives you a different perspective on your on your daily life because you you see uh you know that there's something different and ocasio cortez experienced that uh you know her family moved from the bronx to yorktown uh when she was five but then every weekend and a lot of time in the summer they they would spend in in the bronx and so you know a lot of people you know when they learned that she went to yorktown high school would say oh well she's a total fraud like this, you know, she doesn't understand, um, the, you know, the, the, the working class experience. You know, this is, you know, this is utter, utter fabrication just to further some political ends. Well, no, it's like America is a much messier place than that. And Tara reads, you know, up and down 
um, experience is also very common. Like a lot of uh, an extraordinary number of people, it might be more than 80%, you know, experience some amount of poverty in, in their lives and experience some amount of wealth um, in, in their lives. And, you know, we, you know, we, we have a, a static number of people who are in, in poverty and, and growing as, as of today. Um, but the, the precise people who are in that class are, are moving in and out on, all the time. And, and that's just not something that people kind of uh, are, are willing to incorporate into their idea of, of what America is and who, and who people are. Right. It's funny. One of the, I didn't, as I've said, and I, I wrote in this guardian piece, um, I didn't, for various reasons, I didn't want to be the person to uh, first interview her, but no one else was go was, and I was trying to like ask people to, to interview her. And I thought that it should come out. And I, one of the reasons I didn't want it was because I didn't want people to think that I was doing this, like some nefarious plot, like some, the story was brought to me and I thought it should go out and it was unfair. And it's like, it's annoying because I am very pro Sanders. And now there's all this stuff going on with Sanders being, you know, on the ballot or being take, trying to remove him. And I feel kind of hamstrung, but whatever, I'll just be honest about it. Um, what I think is frustrating is that all these other people who are, who are supporting Biden or doubting Tara and op and include the fact that I'm a big Bernie Sanders supporter don't include the fact that they're big Bernie Sanders critics right yes you know and like yeah. all supportive Warren or now we're definitely supporting Biden or supported Biden over Bernie um and I just think that the danger isn't in people who are who own their ideology. The danger is the people who don't. And we saw in the Washington Post and the New York Times, like it is just indefensible that they took that long to report on it. And then it's indefensible that they took out a clause of a sentence because the Biden campaign wanted them to. And the only thing that's somewhat helpful about it is that the executive editor of the New York Times is either out of touch enough to admit that happened or had like a, a brain fart. I don't know what it is, but um, it's very frustrating that that, to me, that's the story about bias is that you have these pseudo, apparently objective outlets that are really not objective. Right, and as you and I know, um, you know, one one reason you went with it is, you know, Tara very much wanted uh, this, this story out. This was, you know, I, I've seen people who've accused you of kind of like drawing it out of her. Encouraging kind of her, yeah encouraging her or forcing her onto the record you know that that couldn't be that couldn't be further from the truth you know she had she had decided that um, she was going to stand on her truth as she said and she was going to tell this story and uh, whether it was you or me or or somebody else she you know she was she was going to to tell this and so there was no world in which this wasn't um, this wasn't coming out the the Biden supporters, you know, might want to think about, you know, how this would affect the campaign if it had come out exactly. in the late summer or, or the fall, if, uh, and it would have been met with, uh, you know, furious denials. Then the Larry King video would have shown up, whether it's mid-October. Um, and then all of a sudden you've got weeks of, um, of coverage around this, this, this question, you know, probably better for the the, the, the Biden campaign to actually um, you know sort this out 
however they're planning to sort it out in in April and May rather than uh, September, October, November. So you know some people who think that by right. you know, th that think that they're they're helping their preferred candidate um, may not actually be doing so because we don't we don't we're, we don't have omniscience uh, about how about what the actual results are going to be of of the things that we that we do in the world. Right. That's actually true. Cause I keep thinking like this would have been Trump's October surprise, but it's true that cause she tried to come out starting in April because the male journalist she was talking to, she didn't feel comfortable telling him everything. And he wasn't particularly sensitive to, you know, I don't think he had experience reporting on sexual assault issues. And she wrote to all these journalists and she's shown me the emails. Um, she wrote to people at the New York times, uh, at NPR, you know, uh, all the kind of usual suspects in this area. She was a politicians. She was trying, she would have come out in April. And then as we know, she was trying to come out in January um, when, when Time's Up declined to help her. So I didn't think of it that way though, which is that had she come out earlier, it probably would have killed him as the nominee. I mean, it probably would have, uh, but then if it comes out much later, it could kill him in the general election. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, but, so he may be, he may have, um, lucked into the, uh, it, I'm sure it doesn't feel like this sweet at the spot. moment, right. but the, the spot where, um, you know, it doesn't derail his nomination or his, uh, general election chances. Right. And, and people are, I mean, Peter Dow, in fact, said that Biden should, should step down and, and drop out. Biden was trending. Um, I, of course, feel like I can't even, I don't even want to go there because I don't want to give people ammo. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm, conf no, I'm not really conflicted. I think he should, I think it's outrageous that, that I also think that he's such a bad candidate. And I think that people who like him are so ideologically attached to him that they don't realize what a bad candidate he is. And let's see, uh, any, any final stuff that you want to make sure we address? I'm really grateful that you took the time to. Yeah, I think I think one thing people should think about is you know what what they can do to kind of help salvage the the Me Too movement at, as it's as it's as it's going through this difficult time. Like a, a lot of uh, defenders of Biden's um, on, online seem to be willing to uh, sacrifice it. I you know I've, I saw somebody today saying. No, well, this this wouldn't hold up in a court of law, right. uh, which is just you know parroting the talking points that were used to defend Kavanaugh. Like the whole point of the Me Too movement is that this is not uh, it's not a court of law. Um, and so if you know if if some of Biden's defenders aren't uh, going to stand up for the Me Too movement, I think some of I think Tara Reid's um, Defenders need to figure out what they can do to make sure that it isn't destroyed um, in, in just because some of the more uh, kind of prominent uh, advocates of the Me Too movement aren't behaving um, in, a, in a way that is beneficial to that to that movement in, in this moment. Uh, in other words, to, you know, be, be careful not to not to discredit the, you know, the entire project around, uh, you know, survivors rights and survivors justice. Um, just because some people are, are, you know, are using this, um, or, you know, are using this, this moment in an, in an irresponsible way. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still trying to think through what exactly, um, what exactly that could, could look like, but I, I do think it's, it's important that, um, 
you know, that, that the right wing not be allowed to kind of use this to basically erase all of the progress that was made over the last right. three, three right. years. Right. And as you said, I mean, the criminal court stuff, it wouldn't stand up in criminal court. Like that's precisely why me too was the movement was founded was because their criminal justice system is not equipped to deal with this for many reasons. I mean, people don't come forward to police. Uh, it's hard to, basically, this is a way of trying to, you know, you default believe women. Of course, it doesn't mean you women have like a blank, blank check to be believed despite, you know, no matter what they're saying. But um, uh, it, it's precisely because things like this may not uh, stand up to, in a in a criminal court that the me, that Me Too exists. Right. So, and so yeah. I just hope that people don't just throw the, the entire Me Too movement out with some cynical Biden defenders. Right. And um, last thing is you you tweeted something about how can you just go through the the chronology of how this clip came out? And you you found the transcript. But then how did the video pop up? Oh, so this is interesting. Um, so all right, I, fa I found the transcript. Um, it would have cost three thousand five hundred dollars, apparently, to license it um, from CNN. Uh, I actually just got a response to my inquiry today. Um, of course, I'm not going to go forward with that because it's already out. Right. So the media, media research center um, posted it, you know, relatively shortly after uh, my article came out. They're a kind of right wing, um, uh, to, you know, media opera right. uh, center. And my assumption, which I think was incorrect, uh, was that they had they were sitting on this video and they were they're waiting for a, an opportune moment uh to drop it uh they've told me that they you know they launched their project in the late 1980s and have uh basically vhs tapes and cds of uh you know a, any media that was broadcast from the late 1980s up through today and so that once once i identified the the date right. uh of the show and the title of it, they were able to then go into their, um, I, I guess they sent somebody down uh, wearing the a mask yeah. into the basement, um, went and found the tape, uh, you know, found the, uh, you know, it wasn't at that, at that point, it's easy to, sure, to find it yeah. they, they, and they uploaded it. Yeah. Um, but so we, we do know it, 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 like they had access to it. CNN obviously has it in, in their archives as well uh it was found quite easily once um once somebody thought to use nexus transcripts right. which somebody would have between now and the election right and you know if this kind of thing had come out in october uh it's it's probably a lot more uh then, damaging yeah yeah than now um and has anyone said to you why are you doing this why are you helping trump oh sure uh, sure a lot, a lot of people a lot of people say that, yeah. um, which, you know, I don't want to help. <laughs> I don't want to help Trump. Right. I, I will, Tara has said the same thing. She doesn't want to see Trump elected. Right. I don't want to see Trump elected. Yeah. You know, that, uh, I, but I, I can't I can't take into consideration the kind of political implications of 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 a story uh, and still call myself a journalist. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not an activist. I'm I'm a reporter. And so. Uh, you know, the, the minute I start, you know, sitting on something that I consider to be newsworthy purely for the 
uh, out of political concern, then I then yeah. I stop being a journalist. Right. And ironically, I mean, again, this is not your intention, but ironically, I I, I was saying I deserve one of those like pink pussy hats because ironically, I may be <laughs> doing running interference. I may have, we may have run interference for the Biden campaign because they can right. deal with it now. Um, they should. They will, they, they'll, they'll they'll never they'll never believe that. Um, yeah. But maybe maybe some of them actually yeah. would quietly uh, understand that. Yeah, I know they should invite us to his inauguration if he. I don't think he'll win. But um, some breaking news, by the way, a former neighbor. Of, this is from Rich, Rich, Rich McHugh, um, who has also interviewed Tara and broke the news about her um, filing a police report. Rich McHugh, who was Ronan Farrow's producer, wrote just now in. Um, Business Insider, a former neighbor of Joe Biden's accuser, Tara Reid, has come forward to corroborate her sexual assault account, saying Reid discussed the allegations in detail in the mid-1990s. Did you, uh, I don't know if you saw this. Um, yeah, Tara Reid, a former staffer in Joe Biden's sent, well, we know that. Now Reid's former neighbor, Linda Lacasse, a Biden supporter, tells Insider that Reid told her about the alleged assault in detail in 1995 or 1996. This happened, I know it did, because I remember talking about it. A former colleague of Reed's also told Insider that Reed talked in the mid-1990s of being sexually harassed by her former boss in Washington, D.C. The women came forward just days after the video emerged of a woman that Reed says is her mother calling into CNN's Larry King Live in 1993 to talk about her daughter's problems. Pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, I mean... I... <laughs> I'm not advising the the Biden campaign, but if I were, you know, I think they just have to find a way uh, to to move past this and 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 stop um, these, you know, stop the kind of attempts to 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 discredit the her her story. Uh, obviously, he's he's not going to, you know, ad- admit to the the assault or the incident in the in the hallway. But you know, by by keeping it an open question like this, you're going to just continue to have a drip, drip, drip on the one hand of of people questioning uh, Tara's credibility and her background, and a drip, drip, drip on the other hand of reporters uh, unearthing more uh, corroborating uh, evidence. So you know, it's 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 something that they need to figure out. Maybe you know, maybe you know. I think what Tara wants is an apology. Um, she wants a she wants a recognition. You know that um, that she was wronged, um, and and that uh, this wasn't her fault, and that uh, and that there's uh, regret and remorse, um, and and maybe there's there's some way to get to that to that place and get them, um, you know, to to resolve this because you're you know, as we've seen, she told she told her brother, she told her mother, she told her friend. Now she now we know she told um, a, a a neighbor. You know they're. There, there may end up being, you know, more people that, um, that emerge. Right. Um, and, and now you have somebody who says she's a Biden supporter. Um, and which I, which I think is, uh, you know, in the general election, it doesn't matter who I vote for. Right. Cause I live in Washington, Washington, DC and the win by, by 90 points. Right. But, you know, I don't view voting as a, as an act of, uh, of morality. It's not an end in itself. It is a means, you know, towards something else. And so if somebody, uh, you know, both believes that, uh, Biden did this and votes for Biden, I don't actually see any, any contradiction in that. And I'm sure, 
um, tens of millions of people will actually fit into that category. Right. I mean, I think it lends credibility to her, honestly, because she doesn't have an ideological axe to grind, obviously, this person. Um, and, uh, I mean, Liza Featherstone on an episode that I still have to release, but I've been having talk, interviewing a lot of people, but Liza Featherstone, who wrote, and we didn't have, have didn't get time to talk about this, but I, you have little children, you have kids running around, and also you're a busy journalist, so I really am grateful that you've taken this time, and I'll let you go in a second, but, but she... Um, she wrote about this in the interim when Bernie Sanders was still a nominee. Liza wrote about this, Liza Featherstone. And now her position is, yeah, we have to defeat Trump. Like, obviously, just vote for Biden. I'm OK with her saying that because she actually wrote about it when there was another nominee in the race. I'm not OK with, like, the, the quote unquote feminists who didn't say anything while there was another nominee in the race then kind of like, trying to shame people into into voting for Biden. Although I think it's fine to vote for Biden. I just think that they can't really, they don't have the, you know, authority to say that. Um, right. If they would acknowledge that it happened, they'd, right, they'd exactly. paradoxically have more authority right. uh, to then make that argument. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ryan, and uh, next time you're on, we're going to have to talk about your book, but I want everyone to know it's a great book. Uh, we got people. I encourage people to buy it. And people can find your latest piece uh, at The Intercept. They can also um, find you on Twitter where? Uh, just my name, Ryan Grimm. Okay, great. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Bye, Ryan. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to The Katie Halper Show. Remember, you can support The Katie Halper Show on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash The Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash The Katie Halper Show. Rate and review us on iTunes. And all of the interviews I'm doing around Tara or with Tara are not, I'm not putting any of them behind the Patreon wall because I don't want to monetize this uh, project. And I also, of course, want everyone to be able to hear my interviews with or about her because, as you may have noticed, the entire rest of the media besides, to be fair, the right wing media, but no one takes that seriously who's not on the right wing, um, has been giving this any fair coverage.